part nine mademoiselle de scuderi section six of weird tales by e t a hoffman translated by j t bealby this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by expatriate in bangor maine part nine mademoiselle de scuderi a tale of the times of louis the fourteenth section six la Reynie received de scuderi with all the great respect to which the venerable lady highly honoured as she was by the king himself might justly lay claim he listened quietly to all she had to adduce with respect to the terrible crime and olivier's relation to the victim and his daughter and his character nevertheless the only proof he gave that her words were not falling upon totally deaf ears was a slight and well-nigh mocking smile and in the same way he heard her protestations and admonitions which were frequently interrupted by tears that the judge was not the enemy of the accused but must also duly give heed to anything that spoke in his favour when at length mademoiselle paused quite exhausted and dried the tears from her eyes la Reynie began it does honour to the excellence of your heart mademoiselle that being moved by the tears of a young love-sick girl you believe everything she tells you and none the less so that you are incapable of conceiving the thought of such an atrocious deed but not so is it with the judge who is wont to rend asunder the mask of brazen hypocrisy of course i need not tell you that it is not part of my office to unfold to every one who asks me the various stages of a criminal trial mademoiselle i do my duty and trouble myself little about the judgment of the world all miscreants shall tremble before the chamber ardent which knows no other punishment except the scaffold and the stake but since i do not wish you respected lady to conceive of me as a monster of hard-heartedness and cruelty suffer me in a few words to put clearly before you the guilt of this young reprobate who thank heaven has been overtaken by the avenging arm of justice your sagacious mind will then bid you look with scorn upon your own good kindness which does you so much honour but which would never under any circumstances be fitting in me well then rene cardillac is found in the morning stabbed to the heart with a dagger the only persons with him are his journeyman olivier brusson and his own daughter in olivier's room amongst other things is found a dagger covered with blood still fresh which dagger fits exactly into the wound olivier says cardillac was cut down at night before my eyes somebody attempted to rob him i don't know you say you went with him how then were you not able to keep off the murderer or hold him fast or cry out for help my master walked fifteen nay fully twenty paces in front of me and i followed him but why in the name of wonder at such a distance my master would have it so but tell us then what master cardillac was doing out in the streets at so late an hour that i cannot say but you have never before known him to leave the house after nine o'clock in the evening have you here olivier falters he is confused he sighs he bursts into tears he protests by all that is holy that cardillac really went out on the night in question and then met with his death but now your particular attention please mademoiselle 
it has been proved to absolute certainty that cardillac never left the house that night and so of course olivier's assertion that he went out with him is an impudent lie the house door is provided with a ponderous lock which on locking and unlocking makes a loud grating echoing noise moreover the wings of the door squeak and creak horribly on their hinges so that as we have proved by repeated experiments the noise is heard all the way up to the garrets now in the bottom story and so of course close to the street door lives old master claude patru and his housekeeper a person of nearly eighty years of age but still lively and nimble now these two people heard cardillac come downstairs punctually at nine o'clock that evening according to his usual practice and lock and bolt the door with considerable noise and then go up again where they further heard him read the evening prayers aloud and then to judge by the banging of doors go to his own sleeping chamber master claude like many old people suffers from sleeplessness and that night too he could not close an eye and so somewhere about half-past nine it seems his old housekeeper went into the kitchen to get into which she had to cross the passage for a light and then came and sat down at the table beside master claude with an old chronicle out of which she read whilst the old man following the train of his thoughts first sat down in his easy-chair and then stood up again and paced softly and slowly up and down the room in order to bring on weariness and sleepiness all remained quiet and still until after midnight then they heard quick steps above them and a heavy fall like some big weight being thrown on the floor and then soon after a muffled groaning a peculiar feeling of uneasiness and dreadful suspense took possession of them both it was horror at the bloody deed which had just been committed which passed out beside them the bright morning came and revealed to the light what had been begun in the hours of darkness but interrupted Scuderi, but by all the saints tell me what motive for this diabolical deed you can find in any of the circumstances which i just now repeated to you at such length hm rejoined la reynie cardillac was not poor he had some valuable stones in his possession but would not his daughter inherit everything continued de scuderi you're forgetting that olivier was to be cardillac's son-in-law but perhaps he had to share or only do the murderous deed for others says la reynie share do a murderous deed for others asked de scuderi utterly astounded i must tell you mademoiselle continued the president that olivier's blood would long ago have been shed in the place greve had not his crime been bound up with that deeply enshrouded mystery which has hitherto exercised such a threatening sway over all paris it is evident that olivier belongs to that accursed band of miscreants who laughing to scorn all the watchfulness and efforts and strict investigations of the courts have been able to carry out their plans so safely and unpunished through him all shall all must be cleared up cardillac's wound is precisely similar to those borne by all the persons who have been found murdered and robbed in the streets and houses but the most decisive fact is that since the time olivier brusson has been under arrest all these murders and robberies have ceased the streets are now as safe by night as they are by day these things are proof enough that olivier probably was at the head of this band of assassins 
as yet he will not confess it but there are means of making him speak against his will and madelon exclaimed de scuderi and madelon the faithful innocent dove oh said la Reigny, with a venomous smile oh but who will answer to me for it that she also is not an accomplice in the plot what does she care about her father's death her tears are only shed for this murderous rascal what do you say screamed de scuderi it cannot possibly be her father this girl oh went on la Reigny, oh but pray recollect de brinvilliers you will be so good as to pardon me if i perhaps soon find myself compelled to take your favourite from your protection and have her cast into the conciergerie this terrible suspicion made mademoiselle shudder it seemed to her as if no faithfulness no virtue could stand fast before this fearful man he seemed to espy murder and blood guiltiness in the deepest and most secret thoughts she rose to go be human was all that she could stammer out in her distress and she had difficulty in breathing just on the point of going down the stairs to the top of which the president had accompanied her with ceremonious courtesy she was suddenly struck by a strange thought at which she herself was surprised and could i be allowed to see this unhappy olivier brusson she asked turning round quickly to the president he however looked at her somewhat suspiciously but his face was soon contracted into the forbidding smile so characteristic of him of course honoured lady said he relying upon your feelings and the little voice within you more than upon what has taken place before our very eyes you will yourself prove olivier's guilt or innocence i perceive if you are not afraid to see the dark abodes of crime and if you think there will be nothing too revolting in looking upon pictures of depravity in all its stages then the doors of the conciergerie shall be opened to you in two hours from now you shall have this olivier whose fate excites your interest so much presented to you to tell the truth de scuderi could by no means convince herself of the young man's guilt although everything spoke against him and no judge in the world could have acted differently from what la Reigny did in face of such conclusive circumstantial evidence yet all these base suspicions were completely outweighed by the picture of domestic happiness which madelon had painted for her in such warm lifelike colours and hence she would rather adopt the idea of some unaccountable mystery than believe in the truth of that at which her inmost heart revolted she was thinking that she would get olivier to repeat once more all the events of that ill-omened night and worm her way as much as possible into any secret there might be which remained sealed to the judges since for their purposes it did not seem worth while to give themselves any further trouble about the matter on arriving at the conciergerie de scuderi was led into a large light apartment she had not long to wait before she heard the rattle of chains olivier brusson was brought in but the moment he appeared in the doorway de scuderi sank on the floor fainting when she recovered olivier had disappeared she demanded impetuously that she should be taken to her carriage she would go go at once that very moment from the apartments of wickedness and infamy for oh at the very first glance she had recognised in olivier brusson the young man who had thrown the note into the carriage on the pont neuf and who had brought her the casket and the jewels 
now all doubts were at an end la reynie's horrible suspicion was fully confirmed olivier brusson belonged to the atrocious band of assassins undoubtedly he murdered his master and madelon never before had mademoiselle been so bitterly deceived by the deepest promptings of her heart and now shaken to the very depths of her soul by the discovery of a power of evil on earth in the existence of which she had not hitherto believed she began to despair of all truth she allowed the hideous suspicion to enter her mind that madelon was involved in the complot and might have had a hand in the infamous deed of blood as is frequently the case with the human mind that once it has laid hold upon an idea it diligently seeks for colours until it finds them with which to deck out the picture in tints ever more vivid and ever more glaring so also de scuderi on reflecting again upon all the circumstances of the deed as well as upon the minutest features in madelon's behaviour found many things to strengthen her suspicion and many points which hitherto she had regarded as a proof of innocence and purity now presented themselves as undeniable tokens of abominable wickedness and studied hypocrisy madelon's heart-rending expressions of trouble and her floods of piteous tears might very well have been forced from her not so much from fear of seeing her lover perish on the scaffold as of falling herself by the hand of the executioner to get rid at once of the serpent she was nourishing in her bosom this was the determination with which mademoiselle got out of her carriage when she entered her room madelon threw herself at her feet with her lovely eyes none of god's angels had truer directed heavenwards and with her hands folded upon her heaving bosom she wept and wailed craving help and consolation controlling herself by a painful effort de scuderi whilst endeavouring to impart as much earnestness and calmness as she possibly could to the tone in which she spoke said go go comfort yourself with the thought that righteous punishment will overtake yon murderer for his villainous deeds may the holy virgin forbid that you yourself come to labour under the heavy burden of blood guiltiness oh all hope is now lost cried madelon with a piercing shriek as she reeled to the floor senseless leaving la martiniere to attend to the girl mademoiselle withdrew into another room Derscuderi's heart was torn and bleeding she felt herself at variance with all mankind and no longer wished to live in a world so full of diabolical deceit she reproached destiny which in bitter mockery had so many years suffered her to go on strengthening her belief in virtue and truth only to destroy now in her old age the beautiful images which had been her guiding stars through life she heard martiniere lead away madelon who was sighing softly and lamenting alas and she she too these cruel men have infatuated her poor miserable me poor unhappy olivier the tones of her voice cut Derscuderi to the heart again there stirred in the depths of her soul a dim presentiment that there was some mystery connected with the case and also the belief in olivier's innocence returned her mind distracted by the most contradictory feelings she cried what spirit of darkness is it which has entangled me in this terrible affair i am certain it will be the death of me 
at this juncture baptiste came in pale and terrified with the announcement that de grey was at the door ever since the trial of the infamous la voisin the appearance of de grey at any house was the sure precursor of some criminal charge hence came baptiste's terror and therefore it was that mademoiselle asked him with a gracious smile what's the matter with you baptiste the name scuderi has been found on la voisin's list has it not eh for god's sake replied baptiste trembling in every limb how can you speak of such a thing but de grey that terrible man de grey behaves so mysteriously and is so urgent he seems as if he couldn't wait a moment before seeing you well then baptiste said de scuderi then bring him up at once the man who is so terrible to you in me at least he will excite no anxiety end of part nine section six recording by expatriate in bangor maine